You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network. Riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Tissue Banker James. That's a hell of a mouthful. Hello, James. Hey, good to see you. I've never had anybody else say that. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's what she said. Yeah, so this no, is a show for either. people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347. If you're listening to us live, the number is 754-227-3647. That's 754. I'll do this one. 22 penis. Okay. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine. And you can follow the other two who aren't here at Lady Diagnosis or at DR Scott WM. Are you on Twitter, James? Not really. No. Okay. Visit our website at weirdmedicine.com or drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy or go to our merchandise store at cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse, practitioner, physician, assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, or whatever. All right, very good. Uh-oh. Someone's calling me. Let's see who it is. Nope, it's spam. Hmm. I get so many of those spam calls. I do too. Even they're, though I'm on the do not call list. They're out of control. It, it's ridiculous. And then and I like the one that says, this is Microsoft. Have you gotten that one? Yeah, yeah. This is Microsoft. Someone's gotten into your account or something. Yeah, what, I don't even know what they're trying yeah, to pull. Yeah. But it's so obviously not Microsoft. <laughs> and that's not how Microsoft would introduce themselves. Right. Yeah. If they did call you. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's... I get that one in selling insurance and uh, and the old um, the IRS scam. One. Yeah, the IRS scam. I've gotten that a couple of times. The one that I drives me crazy is the one where you pick up the phone and the woman goes, "Oh, hello. Oh, can you hear me? Oh, sorry, my my headphone was." <clears throat> and then she goes into the and it's you're like, "Oh no, I can hear you fine." <laughs> But then you're falling into their trap because their computer is registering that you're answering. And then it's just a robocall. Right. It, they, it's complete, utter horseshit. Mm-hmm. The whole, oh, oh sorry, yeah, <laughs> my right. headset. No, <clears throat> that's a recording. The whole thing's right. a recording. Right. So that drives me crazy. Yeah. What else drives me crazy? About everything, right, these days yeah. drives me crazy. So anyway, Hey, uh, don't forget to check out um, stuff.drsteve.com. If there are things that didn't show up on your holiday uh, uh, gift-giving situation this year, go buy it for your damn self. That's what I do. That's why my wife can't ever buy me anything because if I want something, I just buy it. And I go to stuff.drsteve.com. 
Do you still have the uh, Bristol Stool Scale cups? Uh, uh, yes, we do, and those are at cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine. Bought those for all my employees one year. Oh, did you? <laughs> well, I get 30 cents every time you do one, uh-huh. so thanks for that. You, i got to sell 10,000 of them to ever make any money off of it, but it's, you know, it's just fun to have up yeah, there. They're great, yeah. Um, but yeah, stuff.drsteve.com will take you to a click-through page where you can just click right through and go to Amazon if you want, or you can scroll down and see all the different products we've talked about in the years of this show uh, with links and explanations and all that kind of stuff. So check out stuff.drsteve.com. Don't forget tweakedaudio.com. They are a Tennessee company. I didn't know that. They're in Franklin, Tennessee. we got to go visit them someday. And they make the best earbuds for the price that are on the market today. And they have the best customer service of anywhere. Everyone, if anyone's ever had a problem with their tweaked audio uh, uh, earbuds, um, and they've emailed me, they say, look, they're the greatest in the world. You know, I told them I had a problem, and they absolutely took care of it. I don't want to tell you what they did, but it was amazing right. what they did. And so, I'm sure it's U.S.-based versus some of the other. Yeah, I don't know where – if they manufacture them there or they're buying them from some yeah. manufacturer outside the United but States. Sure I don't know. Their customer but service. Their, their customer service is absolutely Tennessee-based, right. and you can tell. Uh, Dr. Scott's website is simply herbals.net, and uh, I'm, I'm just going to put out this plea – that if you had a premium subscription before, it has been canceled. And this is because of my own stupidity. And so I'm asking you to sign back up again. But if you do, I'm going to give you an offer code. It's also Fluid, F-L-U-I-D. And you'll get a substantial discount on your premium membership. It was already cheap, wasn't it? Yeah, it was already only a buck ninety-nine a month. Right, yeah. But um, if you use uh, – if you go to premium.drsteve.com and sign back up for the premium service, and I promise it'll be up until the day I die from now on. I'm not going to – you know, I just got in a weird – I got in a weird place. Is our comedy stuff on there, some of our shows? Yes. For the past? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, ETN comedy, uh, funniest effort in the uh, Tri-Cities is on there. There's some other stuff on there. Great. You have access to all the archives going all the way back. If you want to binge the whole thing from day one and listen to the evolution of this show, such as it is, you're more than welcome to do that for a buck ninety nine a month. It really, for the buck ninety nine, you can just sign up, download everything if you've got the time to do that, and then just cancel. So it goes and back, you'll have everything. Goes back to the PA John. And, oh, it goes yeah, yeah it goes yeah. back to two thousand five. I think original. maybe. Well, uh, I don't know about that. It goes all the way back to number one on Riotcast, oh, whenever that was. So we're at three fifty one now. Wow. So that's five six years worth. Wow! Right, a lot of material. Yeah. So premium dot com, and if I see it get back up there again, I promise I'll put more premium material up there for the for the premium people. So premium dot com. Use offer code fluid. Lock like the sound of that premium people. That's right. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, at the end of the show, Dr. Scott did a version of Creep, and it was the first time he ever did any multi-tracking, so I'm just going to put it on there. Um, it's certainly better than Semi-Sweet Melissa, and if you have a premium membership, you must right now go listen to that show. That was the first time that GVAC and I played with Scott, and Scott sang a song. And Scott, that's, I've never seen him get mad. 
But the um, he will get madder than hell if I say, oh, let's go back and listen to that version of Sweet Melissa we did. It was painful. It was awful. Yeah. But that I only play it to show how far he's come. Right, right. Well, maybe he's just making a confession in this next song. But he'll he'll rip off his headphones and start to leave the room if I play that. That's great. <laughs> Do that next time I'm here. It's such a great song, too. So, But anyway, so uh, it's been a while since you've been here. Do you at all want to talk, I mean, in general terms about tissue banking and all that kind of stuff? Sure. I, I don't want to bore anyone, but I'd be no. glad to talk about okay, it. Okay. Well, we'll s- sit up uh, to that microphone a little bit right. more. and then uh, So um, because we have a question that's coming up later in the um, show about uh, bone marrow a donation. Sure. A little different than what we do, but I yeah. can... I can re- well, tell me something about tissue banking. Well, tissue banking is preservation of cells. Okay. So it could be for transplant. It could be for research. Right now, I primarily do research. Uh, we preserve cancer cells in particular is uh, one of the many things we do. As you know, unfortunately, the cancer cells that kill us outlive our, outlive us. So it gives us an opportunity to capture those cancer cells so they can be studied and hopefully determine a way to kill those cells without killing us in the process. Yeah, that's kind of the problem, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, current, like, chemotherapy, basically, where you're trying to poison cells that are um, dividing rapidly, that's basically the, the right. you know, the old-fashioned chemo. Uh, it was like dropping a bomb in the middle of Baghdad. You were, there's going to be collateral damage. You're trying to kill living human cells inside a living human body. It's hard to do. Right. So we're going more... You know, as time, and I've been talking about on this show for ages, an immunologic targeted approach to cancer is going to be the way that we will finally beat cancer. I agree. I think in 10 years, hopefully, 10, if we'll see it in our lifetime, we do a lot We're, of it. Dude, they, there's one company that is already uh, monetizing and marketing um, a T cell uh, treatment for a specific type of cancer. Right. So the ones that we talked about early. <clears throat> Were uh, was the woman with um, uh, stage four cervical cancer, which right. is, you, you know, it, it it's a terminal illness Absolutely. at that point, and um, so stage four means that it's spread to other parts of the body, or you may hear the term right. metastatic cancer. So um, uh, the this lady um, had T cells removed from her body. T cells are one of the groups of cells that will kill cancers mm-hmm. if they can see them. Right. And uh, the problem with cancer is the T cells don't recognize it as being foreign and lets mm-hmm. them, lets it grow. Right. So they uh, um, mushed up her proteins of the tumors of the tumor cells, and then exposed the T cells to these proteins. Mm-hmm. And uh, they recognized one of the proteins as being foreign because right. they'll see the rest of them. As, you know, mm-hmm. The whole reason you don't eat yourself alive is because Absolutely. there's a system for saying friend or foe. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, so uh, they recognized those cells as f- or those proteins as foe. And when they injected the T cells back in, they multiplied, divided, and started killing the hell out of the cancer cells right. because it realized it was there right it realized it was there i always talk about the the analogy i always use is it's a serial killer in your neighborhood <laughs> and you drive by every day uh-huh. and they're out mowing their lawn and they uh-huh. wave to you, you don't think anything about it right absolutely and and that's, t- that's a good analogy until one of the 
people that they have chained up in the basement gets free right. and says that crazy person at the end of the cul-de-sac. And then that, that's when the villagers show up with their torches, right. metaphorically well, speaking. Unless you're Jeffrey Dahmer, and I think the cops took the took the kid that, back Can you to believe that? Yeah, that's, but that's a whole different story. Yeah, that poor <laughs> that poor kid. Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely true. We, we do some uh, messenger RNA stuff, too. Uh, oh, yeah? Tell us about that. Well, it's just our end is just the preservation side. We, we've developed a, a proprietary way to step down, freeze the, the neurological tissue. Yep. And then preserve that messenger RNA. And, 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 you know, that tied in with the, you know, the immune suppression, immunosuppressant studies. I, I think they're onto something. And obviously, like you said, it, it, it's going to be a better treatment coming down the road here soon. How is that going to, how, how will they use messenger RNA for that? I think they're trying to reprogram it. Okay. Again, simp- in in the same, they don't tell us everything what they're doing. We have a lot of non disclosures in place, as you can imagine. But yeah, um, well, you have messenger RNA and you got transfer RNA, and these are all. Uh, uh, um, okay, so RNA is a is. Um, um, let me see, deoxyribo is ribonucleic acid, right? And there are people that think that RNA was really the precursor of life, that RNA was the first um, uh, uh, ribonucleic acid uh, uh, chain to be formed, and then it started reproducing itself mm-hmm. after, who knows, maybe right. a billion years of just fiddling right. around. Then all of a sudden, one of them started reproducing itself. Right. And then it had a differential advantage because none of the other RNA molecules were doing it. So, <clears throat> And then, uh, you know, um, over time... Our uh, genetic material is mostly deoxyribonucleic acid. Mm-hmm. That's what makes up our genes. But we still use ribonucleic acid to carry information from the the um, double-stranded DNA strand right. to the ribosomes, which make uh, the proteins that these uh, genes code for. So it's pretty cool. And yeah. we've even incorporated – these things, mitochondria, that were probably single-celled organisms at one time, and we incorporated them into our cells and basically make them do things for us. Right. It's kind of survival of the fittest they've, it's crazy. they've developed over the years. Right? Yeah, and you know, the, it's hard for us to think back 200 years, much less 3.5 billion years. And Carl Sagan always said that the, um, the genius of um, – of evolution is time and breadth. So, you know, just these innumerable numbers of branching um, uh, uh, well, branches of life and then this this just unbelievable amount of time. You know, 65 million years from the dinosaurs to now really geologically is not that long of a period of time. Well, I think it was a monk originally that d- discovered DNA. Didn't really know what it was. Just was well, something... you're thinking of uh, Mendelian genetics. He figured right. out. Uh, so um, what he figured out was if you take a white flower and a blue, f- or well, and a blue flower. Yeah. Well, let me try a different yeah. example. A white flower and a red flower. A certain number of their offspring would be pink. Mm-hmm. Some would be white and some would be red. And then he figured out the whole dominant and recessive that was, gene yeah, thing. That yeah. was based on his study. Yeah, right? yeah, that's but, right. But some of that sat on the shelves for years and no oh, one used it. Sure. And then, sure. then it kind of revived itself. Oh, yeah. Well, that's happened in physics too. You know, someone will come up with some wacky math thing that no one thinks 
will ever have any purpose. And then Einstein will use it to, uh, uh, you know, formulate general relativity right. from. Right. So anyway, well, let's just do this bone marrow um, uh, question now then. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, oh, well, shit. Okay, well, let me just talk about donating bone marrow because somebody called in and said, "How? What's the deal about bone marrow donation?" And uh, so, bone marrow is this sort of soft, spongy material that's found in the large bones, <clears throat> pelvis, um, uh, long bones of the arm and legs, and stuff like that. And uh, it makes get this number: two hundred billion new blood cells every day. Two hundred. That's how tiny these damn things are, mm-hmm. and it makes. Red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets, and uh, people who have bone marrow diseases, and particularly uh, different types of cancer, it doesn't work right. And, um, you know, the bone marrow transplant is their best way of surviving. Uh, the problem is <clears throat> that um, you have to match the bone marrow very carefully. If you don't, the injected bone marrow will multiply and then kill the person. Is, it's is called that, graft versus host. Is that based on an antigen match, sort of like yeah, a that's kidney right. transplant? Absolutely, and it's way yeah, very much so. Uh, so they um, have to um, uh, be you know exceedingly careful not to inject bone marrow that's going to kill the person, and um, uh, they use this thing called human leukocyte antigen typing, and uh, that's blood test analyzes these human leukocyte antigens. And they've got to have a match. And the problem is that only about 25 to 30 percent of people who need a transplant can find an um, HLA match donor in their immediate family. You'd think, it's, well, um, all you need to do is, um, is uh, get your family to donate and it's no problem. But that'll only work about a third of the time. So uh, uh, for the other people uh, that don't find a match, they've got to find uh, – match bone marrow from other donors. And that's about 14,000 people a year from young children up to older adults. Do they have a registry for that now? Well, I'm so glad you asked. It's um, very perfect timing. Matter of fact, let me give you one of these. Give yourself a bill. Uh, there is a National Marrow Donor Program. And uh, you can just search for National Mo- Marrow Donor Program, and they have this whole registry of donors. And uh, what they do is you, you'll collect cells from your cheek. First, you have to say, I'm willing to be a bone marrow donor. And then they'll collect cells from your cheek uh, with a cotton swab, and then they'll put you in this database. And if there's a match, then they contact you. And then the donation process itself is um, it's not fun, but you're saving a life. Yeah. I mean, literally, I've seen people who have had bone marrow transplants that go on to live long and healthy lives afterward. I've seen people who've had to have more than one, but they still uh, very often will do well. So uh, what they'll do very likely, uh, if, if they can, is a peripheral uh, blood stem cell collection, and that's pretty easy. Uh, they'll give you um, an injection of this uh, granulocyte colony stimulating factor. So this is a, a, um, a hormone that causes the bone marrow just to churn out tons and tons of uh, white blood cells, and then uh, you and you may have some pain with that in your bones. Just imagine, you know, they're just right. emptying out, mm-hmm. they're going crazy, right. and the bones uh, tend to uh, get achy. But that's it. I mean, it's uncomfortable. Right. 
Um, and then on the fifth day, they um, place a needle in each of your arms and they take out blood. Uh, they uh, uh, circulate the blood, collect the stem cells, and then they return the, the, blood, the regular blood to your body through the second needle. It takes about three hours. It's like, like dialysis. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, we're, we're sort donating of. plasma maybe. Yeah, yeah, very much like yeah. that. And uh, every once in a while, uh, they'll ask you to do a bone marrow harvest, and that's where they take bone marrow from the back of your hip bone. Yeah, and that's yeah. a surgical procedure. Not fun. Again, you'll have some pain for a few days afterward. Most of those people can go back to full activity in a week. But, um, again, you're saving someone's life. Right. So uh, I'm going to uh, – I'm glad this person asked about this. I'm sorry I can't find their phone call. Um, but I'm going to do this. So I'm going to do it today. I'm going to sign up at the National Bone Marrow Donor Program. And let me um, click on that link to that, and I'll give you the URL. It's called bethematch.org. And I think there actually is a fee to sign up. It's like 100 bucks. Fuck it. I'm going to do yeah. it. Well, save a life. Well, yeah, you know, there you go. Pretty cheap to say. Yeah, so I'm going to do that today. I'm making that pledge today. And if anyone else wants to join me, tweet to me at Weird Medicine on uh, Twitter and let me know you did it. I'll retweet it. All right. So good. Anything else about uh, tissue tissue banking? Well, I mean, there's a lot to it. You know, uh, one, one small part. Ain't of y'all it. just selling body parts? Yeah, yeah. We got a yard sale going on. <laughs> well. Uh, speaking of bone marrow, we work with a company that's developed a, a, a pain, more pain-free way to recover it from oh. the iliac crest. Oh, really? And um, so people. Okay, so tell people where the iliac crest is. The iliac crest is your hip. They bone. think it's a TV show in right. the seventies. I- iliac crest. Okay. <laughs> it, it's it's basically right. your hip. So if you're <laughs> all right. If if you're laying on your back and you're thin enough, it'll be you know down near your junk over to the left and right. You have two of them. Okay. They will stick up if you're skinny. If you're not like if you're like me, you can't really see them. You yeah. Have to feel for it. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we we've worked with them for a while. So if someone donates their body, you know, for for medical research and education, that is one of the many things that we've worked on in the last year is. Is this organization has developed a new way to, to recover that? Is that right? Well, do you know what the process is? I, I don't know the exact process. I haven't seen it. Okay. I, I just know that we're working with them. You know, to, but you the, know, it's less painful. Yeah, according that's how the marketing is on it, and it's for physician training wise. They seem to think it's a better process. Oh, okay. I'm in. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool, man. Anything else? No, I'm just glad to be here. I was at a. Um, um, uh, at a meeting, and there was a funeral director there that said <laughs> that, that places like what you're talking about are just selling body parts. Right. Well, they're they're trying to discourage people from doing it because you all cremate. Uh, you know, places like what we're talking about mm-hmm. will uh, cremate the uh, remains and give them back to the family for nothing, so nobody makes any money off of it. Well, um, you know, just imagine a world without people donating their body. I mean, medical schools learn. We work with yep. a lot of medical schools now. Uh, a lot of research uh, that that can be done on the body post death that can't be done when the person's alive. Right. Um, and then and then the basic of physician training. If if you're laying on the surgical table to get your knee replaced, you don't want the first time that doctor's ever seen that implant to be while you're laying there on the table and he's trying to make it work on you. You yeah. want him to practice on a, some cadaver specimens. Yeah, and computer simulations are not where they need to no, be it's yet. Not, it's just not there. It's, yeah. 
But uh, yeah, we 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 uh, we're starting a new um, our organization has a don't cremate to cure is our new our new slogan for 2019. What the hell does that mean? That means don't just be cremated. Don't eat your body. Your oh, body, I see. Your body may hold the cure to cancer, to, to ALS. To, so what's the slogan? I think maybe you could word that a little better. Don't cremate the cure. Oh, don't cremate the cure. Yes. Okay. I thought you said don't cremate to cure. No, no. Don't cremate say, the, sense. the cure. Gotcha. So, oh, okay. 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 And the reason we, that sounds like an anti-cremation message, though. Well, it, well no, it's yeah, but it, but it, it leads you. How about to, donate for the cure? Well, I think someone has that one already. Oh, they do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, jeez. Can you so so the people that have donate for the cure would somehow sue? Oh, yeah. Some other organization. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, at one point there was there's that a, there would be politics involved oh, yeah. in that. There's another nonprofit out there that has a has a slogan that's that's you know you've heard for years. I won't say what it is. Okay, but, yeah, yeah. But but we at one time linked to them, and they they came after us just for linking to that's them. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, even though it's the same cause. You would think. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm not going to say what I would think. It's just I've I've learned. I've become more cynical. I thought. Hospice, for example, right. you know, where you're just trying to help people have a comfortable uh, life and a good quality of life before they die, that everyone would be so peaceful and um, all would be on the same page and just willing to help each other. And no, no politics need ever um, uh, get involved in, in such an endeavor. And oh my goodness, was I wrong? <laughs> Well, at yeah. the national level, at the local level, it's still, you know, people yeah. are jockeying for their own thing. So, anyway. Hospice is a great thing. Though. It is a great – oh, I, don't yeah. get me wrong. Oh, I know. It's my I chosen know. profession. But yeah. I was just amazed when I got into it that, yeah, you right. do have to deal with politics and and uh, that kind of thing. <laughs> my, yeah, my 25 years of, of doing this, I've been amazed by – you would think if if someone learned something, but again, I told you earlier we had proprietary processes ourselves. So yeah, yeah. It it kind of gives you that niche and and keeps you alive. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Well, all right. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. See what we got here. Hey, I was wondering if you could talk about artificial sweeteners and what they do to the brain memory loss, um, short-term and long-term. I know you all talked about it a little bit, you and Dr. Scott. You and Dr. Scott might differentiate a little bit because he's a little more into the natural supplements. Not necessarily. The natural ways of things and natural healings and those types of things. Shut up. On a special guest, maybe a nutritionist or a homeopathic type doctor or something like that, maybe a dietitian would would talk about some of these things. A homeopath? Uh, Okay. Now, just remember, homeopathy is the idea that that like cures like. But only when like is imprinted on the molecules of water. Mm-hmm. So if you have something that causes people to have fever, some chemical, then if you put it in water and put it in solution and then do serial uh, dilutions, um, then that diluted substance has imprinted itself on the water. And now when you give that water to somebody with a fever, it's supposed to cure their fever. Okay. So. <laughs> homeopathy. That's homeopathy. Homeopathy. Okay. Homeopathy. Okay. And uh, when you see a homeopathic uh, substance in a, um, uh, in a pharmacy, you look at the number after it. And it'll say arsenicum 64X or something like that. That means that it's been diluted out 64 times. So um, if you take a solution of something and then you double it with water and then pour off half, double it again, and do that 64 times, uh, you can prove mathematically that there the odds are there won't be a single molecule of that stuff left. But However, the homeopaths will say that it's imprinted itself on that water and it will have some efficacy. Okay. I'll okay. follow you now. So um, I um, am, uh, no, not a fan. And, uh, you know, studies have shown that it's it's a placebo. Not to say that a placebo is not a powerful medication, mm-hmm. but there doesn't seem to be any effect when you do these serial dilutions. Now, some of the things like Zycam that is lit, it's sold as homeopathic really isn't because it might be a 1x – or 2x dilution, I'm not sure the, the truth of the Zycam line, but they have zinc in them. And the zinc itself may actually have some, some membrane-stabilizing properties. Um, you know, uh, it, they, this stuff is sold to decrease the duration of, of a cold. And, um, you know, some studies show that there's some efficacy. It might decrease the duration by a day or two, but a day or two is a day or two. I'll take it. So what's the ingredient inside Zinc. Zinc is, is, is right. Comes it's just zinc. zinc. Okay. And when they were selling it as a nasal spray, it was causing people to have anosmia. Or in other words, it was killing their sense of smell. Mm-hmm. So uh, the idea that these things have no effect whatsoever isn't true, particularly when they're not truly homeopathic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just zinc in solution. I'm not sure why you call that homeopathic uh, if it's not diluted out. But um, – uh, and also, I'm not sure how zinc like cures like. Maybe my idea of homeopathy is too superficial. But anyway, um, but those zinc lozenges actually work. But they have constant, you know, detectable concentrations of zinc in them. And they're, um, uh, as I 
was started to say there may be some real effects of zinc on the oropharynx in stabilizing those cells to prevent viral intrusion or something. Who knows? Right. We'd have to look into that further. But um, so anyway, yeah, so I won't be having a homeopath on to talk about aspartame. Maybe you and Dr. Scott could kind of debate, re, you know, do some research and debate. The, uh, <laughs> well, we have, and he and I both agree on this one thing. But anyway, it's okay. The long-term effects and even the short-term effects, you know, 10, 20, 30 years plus of. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about aspartame. Aspartame is a dipeptide, so it's made up of two amino acids. And when it and it fools the tongue into thinking that it's sweet, and when it gets into the stomach, it's cleaved into its constituent amino acids. Now, this is where I have the problem with a lot of the sort of the chicken little stuff when it comes to aspartame, is it's been studied and studied and studied and studied, and still have not found significant um, amounts of uh, adverse effects, which I would expect because these two. Um, Amino acids are nat are found in nature, mm -hmm. and they're included in every protein that you eat, and they're cle it's cleaved in the stomach to into its con constituent um, amino acids. So where's the harm coming from? So, however, the, the when you pronounce it aspartame, same same thing. Aspartame or right, aspartame, okay. right? Yeah. Okay. So, I looked up. Um, now this is um, a nursing journal. And it was a review article. So it's the first thing I could find. Uh, it says, despite its widespread use, artificial sweetener aspartame or aspartame remains one of the most controversial food additives due to mixed evidence on its neurobehavioral effects. Okay, mixed evidence means there's some evidence for and some against. Health, now, here, here we go. Healthy adults who consumed a study-prepared high aspartame diet, this was 25 milligrams per kilograms of body weight per day. So remember that number. For eight days and a low aspartame diet uh, with a two-week washout between the diets were examined within, subs uh, uh, within subject differences in cognition, depression, mood, and headache. Measures included the weight of foods consumed containing aspartame, mood, and depression scales and cognitive tests for working memory and spatial orientation. So they did a lot of stuff. Uh, when consuming high aspartame diets, participants had more irritable mood, exhibited more depression, and performed worse on spatial orientation tests. Aspartame consumption did not influence working memory. So that's compared to the low aspartame diet, okay? okay. Now, 25, so how much is 25 milligrams per kilograms uh, it's of a body weight? So let's just take the ideal male is 70 kilograms. Okay. So let's ask Alexa. Let me pot her up here. Alexa, what is 25 times 75? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, shit. I don't have Alexa plugged in. What happens, you know, if you have her plugged in? <laughs> what was that number, 25? 25, 25 times 75. 1875. Okay, so 1875. Now... Let's find out um, how much um, uh, aspartame, let's go milligrams of aspartame in a uh, packet, in one packet of equal. Okay, that's 37 milligrams of aspartame. So take that 18-whatever and divide it by 37. Divided by 37, 50.6. So it's 50 packets <laughs> 
Right. Okay. Now, here's the thing. The 10 milligram per kilogram people seemed fine. So let's do that. That's 700. Uh, so that'd be, um, wait, uh, seven, not 7 times 10. So yeah, 70, 700 divided by that 37. So they got 700 milligrams total if they were a 70-kilogram man. That's 0. 0.0. No, it's not. Oh, that's not right. Alexa, right, right. what's 700 divided by 37? 700 divided. 18.9. Okay. Yeah. So uh, 18 packets. So if you do 18 packets of aspartame, mm-hmm. neurocognitively, come in this study anyway, you, you were okay. And that's over a, how long of a period of time? A, a day. In a day. Okay. That's, that's We're talking about 18 packets in a day. But that's still. A lot. And they called that a low aspartame diet. Yeah. So. Now, I think a Diet Coke is got a shitload of aspartame in it. So um, I think it's 200 milligrams. So let's do it in Diet Cokes. Milligrams of aspartame in uh, Diet Coke. Okay. So uh, considering a can of Diet Coke contains 180 milligrams of aspartame. So let's do this by... Um, um, by um, cans of Diet Coke. Okay, so that what was that eighteen hundred thing? Eighteen seventy five. If you do, divided by one hundred and eighty, that's ten point four. So that's ten cans. Yeah. So you would have to get ten cans of Diet Coke before you met the um, milligram amount in this study in a in a twenty four hour period. In a twenty four hour period. Yeah. That's right. Now there probably are people that drink that much. Yeah, probably, but that's a lot. That's still yeah. a lot. Um, let me see here. Um, okay. Com- now, there are people who cannot have aspartame, and those are people with phenylketonuria. Mm. You should know if you have PKU, you were diagnosed with it when you were born, because we test everybody for it when they're born. Mm. And those people cannot have aspartame. Now, the, for them, it's dangerous. This kind of comes down to the, the um, circumcision thing. You know, there are... Um, uh, studies that show some benefit to circumcision that might benefit a few people. It's like a bell curve. People way on the right of the bell curve may benefit from it. Um, it and then there's people on the left of the bell curve that may be harmed by it. Most everybody's in the middle, and they'll, it's, yeah, they'll be okay either way. Um, and then it becomes a, a, a personal choice are you going to, um, you know, put your kid through this knowing that there's probably not going to be any benefit and there might be some harm and they'd probably be okay either way uh, without their consent, Right. you know? And we do lots of things with for kids without their consent. Most of them are not of a permanent nature like that. But, you know, you can consent to your kid having surgery if it's, you know, if it's necessary. You can consent to your kid um, uh, having antibiotics or not. And, you know, if you're putting your kid in danger, the state can come in and mandate that you do certain things like chemotherapy for a kid that's curable, you know, and when the family's refusing. Sometimes the states jumped in and said, no, you have to do it. Been in the news a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But anyway, uh, so that's – so the Spartame thing – 
is kind of the same thing in the sense that there's this big bell curve and there may be some people that will be harmed by it, but mm-hmm. they're in the minority. And there uh, maybe there's some people that will benefit from it. I don't know. But most everybody else is going to be OK. Well, it, it seems to come down to basically you can control it because if you just control it, just your don't intake, do it. Yeah. Just control your intake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or just if you feel that it's that it's dangerous, don't right. don't uh, take it. Mm-hmm. Um, the I was going to tell you something else, but I was just going to tell you uh, briefly, uh, the European Food and Safety Authority published research that concludes that consuming the artificial sweetener, which has been used extensively for more than three decades, is perfectly safe for the vast majority of people. They said that the acceptable daily limit for aspartame is 40 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. So what were the other... It was, wasn't it 25? God dang. The other one was 25. That was considered high. Yeah, that's right. So, the, so okay, 40, let's do four. Okay. okay, Alexa, what's 40 times 70? 40 multiplied by 70 equals 2,800. 2,800. Alexa, what's 2,800 divided by 180? 2,800 divided by 180 rounds to 15.556. So that'd be 15 cans. <laughs> Of, okay. if you, look, and that, now, I read some research recently, and it wasn't really research because it, it was more someone's opinion, but it was in a medical journal, that their idea of why drinking a lot of diet sodas causes people to gain weight, because we have seen that effect, is and, – and this one I can buy, and I, I absolutely believe that this is possible, that um, your body – thinks that it's sweet, right? It fools it into thinking, right. even though it's got that kind of weird, bitter taste, but it, the, the majority of the taste is sweetness. That since the body experiences that sweetness, it sets off a cascade of um, uh, hormones and other changes in the body that are expecting carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. And it's expecting to then store these carbohydrates because it's going, oh boy, there's sugar coming in. So we need to get ready to store this sugar because that's what the body does. Because we were, as when we were developing as a species, we were starving almost all the time. And so we're very efficient at storing, um, storing calories. Mm-hmm. And, but then it doesn't get it. Right. And it doesn't get it. And it goes, what the F? Mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, so then it, that stimulates the hunger and the parts of the brain that, seek satiety, in other words, you know, satisfaction from eating, and it makes you more hungry. And so you eat more and you gain more weight. And now that I can actually actually wrap my brain around, and I think that probably makes sense. I've been around people who drink a lot of Diet Coke, and a number of them, after a meal, will say, now I'm craving something sweet. Yeah. So would that be a, a part of that? Yeah, I've had that too. Yeah. I've had that as well. Almost like your body says, I need it. Yeah. I, I, I desire that now. Yeah, and I think that makes total sense that the body's going, where are these calories I was expecting? I didn't get them. Eat more. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess my question is why do we crave – why do we have to have sweet stuff all the time? Why do we have to – the things that we drink, why do they have to be flavored? Do we are, – are, do our taste buds have to be constantly entertained? I'm just trying to drink more unsweet tea. And I drink the tea because it has a positive effect on my mood and energy level. I drink a lot of tea, too. 
but not sweet tea. And down here in the South, it drives me crazy. The default is tea laden with simple syrup. And it makes me physically ill. And I wondered why I was so weird because everybody else around me, I mean, I've been here my whole life except for a short period of time that were formatively years that I spent in Michigan and Chicago. Do they have sweet tea? There? No, yeah. no, and that's the thing. So, uh, so I had apparently forgotten all of this, and I grew up drinking unsweet tea. And everybody else around me in the South looked at me like I was a weirdo. And you would order it, and you'd still get sweet tea because they're so sure so that's what have, you meant. They yeah, must yeah. have misheard you yeah. when you said unsweet right. tea. So, um, I uh, and I never could quite understand why I was different from everybody else. That wasn't the only thing, believe me. <laughs> and uh, I, I went back up to Michigan to uh, interview at a place called Angel Hospice in uh, in um, uh, Detroit, Michigan. Uh-huh. And I went out to eat with them. And um, I was at a restaurant, and I said, I would like unsweet tea, please. And the, and the lady said, well, honey, that's all we have. What other kind is there? Yeah. And that's when it, it hit me. That's where that came from. Mm-hmm. And uh, people up there, if they put any sweetener in, they'll put it in after they get the tea, but they don't right. brew it with this right. gobs and gobs of sugar like they do yeah. down here. Yeah, well, well, two things I've done there is I've slowly reduced the amount of sugar that I add to my tea because I yeah. make my own tea. So I started at a cup per gallon. Oh, now, God. I know. I know. It was like syrup, but I'm down to about half a cup. Now. Okay. I think if you slowly reduce it, you can you can get that down. To I just developed a taste for bitterness, and so I like oh, things right. bitter. Huh. One thing that you could try is um, to de- particularly to develop that taste is to put lime or lemon juice, lime juice particularly, lime juice. in your uh, tea mm-hmm. and see if you can fool your taste buds and uh, over so that they're not craving you know, sugar, but I see you drink regular well, Coke anyway. And, so. and that's a caffeine thing. Yeah. That's a hundred percent caffeine. Yeah. About 1030. If I haven't had some caffeine, I feel it. Yeah. Really? Uh, it's, it's almost like a withdrawal. Yeah. I've never had the caffeine withdrawal, but I do in, like drinking tea in the morning. I, it I, keeps I, me from being hungry. That's too. how I start out every morning, but it is sweet tea. So. I'm on a new, uh, weight loss thing that has really worked for me. I'm down 11 pounds wow. since I started and I'm heading for 30. And I've seen it advertised, and I'd love for them to advertise on this show, but it's Noom. It's an app, N-O-O-M. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's the closest thing I can tell you is it's closest to Weight Watchers, but it's about 10 bucks a month cheaper than, than that, I think. And uh, the, what I really like about it is I have a personal um, counselor, right? And we have a group counselor, too. And uh, it's all on this app on the phone, but the, the, her picture is she's just absolutely hot as hell. Now, she's yeah. probably that always helps. just some big, fat, sweaty dude in a basement somewhere uh-huh. using that picture. But uh-huh. I, you know, so I, I have to report every morsel of food that goes into my mouth to this counselor okay. through this app, right? And I don't want to have to tell her that I ate a whole bag of Snickers right. or a whole can of Pringles, like I used to do mm-hmm. on almost a daily basis. And because I don't want to tell her that, and I've pledged to be honest about it, I don't do it. And since the day this thing started, I there hadn't been a Snickers go into my mouth. 
So I've had a few potato chips, but I have reported them, and they've been part of my daily program. So how do they make you honor it? Just you take the well, pledge? It's an honor. Yeah, it's yeah. an honor system. If you lie, I mean, what are you spending your money for? Right, absolutely. Okay, I get you. You have to... You have to commit to being honest about it and putting down everything that you put in your mouth. So, so she's like this smoking hot lady. Unbelievable. So, why don't is it like part of the app is like she puts clothes on? No, no, no. If you eat something, that would be awesome. Yeah, maybe we should develop. But that that would be an awesome app (laughs) for big fat dudes. You know, they would go for that. Nobody else would go for that. But, (laughs) but uh, you know, it's just that I would be embarrassed to admit to her that I ate. You know, gotcha. Right, a whole bag. So of you report every little thing, everything. So everything, and um, you know, sometimes if I'm way under and I'm lazy and I drink a beer and I know it's a hundred calories and it's still going to be under my goal, I don't, I won't put that. But uh, other than that, I yeah, every single thing. So if you report to her, I just ate a you know a king size Snickers bars. What what's her feedback? To well, you? her feedback will be supportive, okay. but I'll know the whole time that she's going this fucking guy. Uh, okay, so you she yeah, she's like a dom then. Yeah, you know, yeah. but she would be oh so so you fell off the horse. How do we get back on? Yes. What are we going to do to commit to you know? Okay, just like any behavioral right. cognitive like a, sort of therapist yeah, would do. And uh, so I try to, you know, I, I just don't want to put her in that position where she has to be disappointed in me. <laughs> so there's psychology built into oh, it. Oh, it's yeah, the whole yeah, thing yeah. is about psychology. Right. And I've seen the ads, and it's not a diet. Yeah. There's no forbidden foods. Right. But you change your relationship with food. So. And there's a constant reminder because you have that, like she's looking over your shoulder. Yeah, something. yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm really, really pleased with it. Yeah, sounds like so, a great idea. Anyway, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, I don't know why I brought that up. I know there was a – oh, we were talking about aspartame and weight gain. There we go. Um, yeah, so let me see. This European Food Safety Authority said aspartame becomes toxic only once you consume 4,000 milligram per kilogram of body weight. Oh, 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 4,000. Okay, so it only becomes toxic when you drink toxic. that much. And that's 1,600 cans of Diet Coke a day. 1,600. Yeah, 1,600 1, cans. 1,600 cans. Uh, I don't know if there's enough time in the day for that. So Yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah, and, you know, study after study shows this. Now, there are these little niche things, like this neurocognitive thing that they showed. But that could be. You know, when you get an overload of a certain – amount of amino acids you know if you get 10 times more phenyl or um um uh uh, let me think of um uh, like you get 10 times more lysine than your body is used to getting i could see where that could have some weird effects Mm -hmm. on your body so you're getting this sort of overload of these two amino acids you could convince me that if you drink enough of that and you've got this sort of imbalance between all the other amino acids in your body and these two, that that could have some adverse effects totally into that. Mm-hmm. But uh, these sort of magical effects that I keep hearing about, it just doesn't ring true to me since they're naturally occurring amino acids. So but anyway, all right, let's um, do another nutrition one. Hey, Dr. Steve, Dr. Scott. I've got a question about vitamins. Um, Some of them say that they're fat-soluble, and I was wondering what that means. I've seen like the vitamin D and a couple other ones, maybe the vitamin E, um, what that means. And then also some vitamins say they're enteric-coated, and 
was just wondering what that means too, how it, why it has to be in terracotas, it's just an extra cost. Um, uh, kind of curious. Thanks, guys. Yeah, okay. Um, some people will um, have GI upset from taking vitamins, particularly multivitamins. And if you have one that's enterocoded, it's just going to get past the stomach before it starts to break down and be absorbed. And um, therefore, it you may cause less GI upset. Really, that's the only thing I can think of. I know there are some, some uh, dietary substances, and I believe iron is one of them, that is absorbed down in the intestine rather than it being absorbed from the stomach. So that makes sense to maybe enterocode that if the iron hurts your stomach. So the enterocoding? Enterocoding. So it just basically keeps that that pill or capsule intact. Intact in the stomach. Until it passes through the stomach. That's right. That's right. Um, So let's talk about fat-soluble vitamins. The the mnemonic for that is ADEC. It's A-D-E-N-K. And um, uh, the only one that you can really get in big trouble mega-dosing is vitamin A. And you can get into big trouble. So I don't recommend that you uh, megadose any vitamin, uh, fat-soluble vitamin. And he asked, what does that mean? Well, it means just what it says. There, It's soluble in fat. Other vitamins like the B vitamins are soluble in water. So when you take a B vitamin, it's not really readily stored in the body except in the water in the body. And uh, the rest of it, if you get more than you need, you just pee it out. The fat-soluble vitamins will go to your fat cells and actually be absorbed there, and they'll stay there where they become a reservoir. So they just live there. They just live there, and then will be um, re-delivered to the body over time as they sort of leach out of those fat cells. So vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, and vitamin K. So – and the danger comes from – a first, then K, and then D and E, not so much. Right. And K affects your bleeding stuff. That's right. And that sort of thing. That's well. right. So that's so, that one reason K is dangerous. Well, I don't. I'm not saying it's dangerous, uh, or could be. Let me look up. It's certainly. Um, when I worked with a group of doctors, you know, vitamin K was kind of the last resort if you had someone we couldn't stop bleeding, their blood was too thin for whatever right. reason. Well, we used to use aquamephitin or vitamin K uh, to reverse Coumadin overdose. And uh, then there were some adverse effects from doing that, so they use that kind of, like you said, as a last resort. Let me look at vitamin K toxicity. So vitamin K toxicity is usually seen in formula-fed infants or those uh, getting uh, synthetic vitamin K injections. And uh, therefore, um, uh, this menadione is no longer used for treatment of vitamin K deficiency. So the effects of vitamin K toxicity includes jaundice in newborns, hemolytic anemia, and hyperbilirubinemia. Hyperbilirubinemia is just, uh, uh, you know, increase in a, um, um, a molecule called bilirubin, and that causes jaundice over yeah. time. So uh, they Also, it blocks the effects of oral anticoagulants. So if you're on Coumadin, mm-hmm. uh, you're not supposed to take vitamin K. Um, hypervitaminosis A can cause some real problems. Um, let me let me look it up. Vitaminosis A. So um, symptoms arise as a result of altered bone metabolism and altered metabolism, other fat-soluble vitamins. Uh, oh, hi- hypervitaminosis A is believed to have occurred in early humans. 
and the problem has persisted throughout human history. I wonder why. I'm probably eating livers and stuff. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And so in the it's just, so it's obviously diet. So yeah, signs and symptoms include uh, abnormal softening of the skull bone in children, blurred vision, bone pain, swelling, uh, changes in consciousness. Uh, calcification of the gastric mucosa, heart valve calcification, all kinds of stuff. So um, we don't recommend megadosing vitamin A at all. Now, there is a thing called hypervitaminosis D, and let's look that one up real quick because it's quite less um, of a problem. Uh, It's rare but potentially serious. It occurs when you take too much vitamin D, and uh, can cause abnormally high levels of calcium in the blood that can affect bones, tissues, and other organs. So just don't megadose uh, unless you've been told by a healthcare professional uh, any of the fat-soluble vitamins. Don't megadose any vitamin. There's no shown benefit for megadosing any of these vitamins. The sole exception would be vitamin B12. And for people who cannot absorb B12... We used to give them shots, right? right? And because they couldn't absorb it. Well, they finally found out that they can absorb it, but it's about one-thirtieth of the rate of normal people. Right. So these people get pernicious anemia. So what they'll do is instead of giving them 1,000 micrograms, which is one milligram, right? Okay. Right? 1,000 micrograms. Yeah, it's yeah. a milligram. Uh, of um, uh, B12 intramuscularly, will give that same dose orally every day. Mm-hmm. So if it's one-thirtieth of the absorption, you give it every day for a month, it's going to be right. the same as giving it once I am. Monthly dose. Okay. So there you go. You were right, though. I looked up its liver has has a ton of A in the vitamin A. Yeah. Lamb liver in particular. Mm. Beef liver by far has the most. Yeah, the so they're probably eating all these livers and... Uh, because there was... Um, well, they didn't let anything go to waste. Well, yeah. true. Yeah, my stepdad used to eat liver all the time. Yeah, I used to like Braunschweiger. I'm probably the only kid in the world that liked Braunschweiger. It's liver sausage. Oh, okay. And Oscar Mayer Braunschweiger is awesome. I hate liver. I can't stand it. won't put it near my mouth. It tastes like... It tastes like what I imagine a turd would taste like <laughs> were I to put one of those in my mouth. Right. But Braunschweiger, for some reason, I love it. My mom used to Never even heard of cut it. it up and make balls of it, make me, or make me, and let me eat um, balls of Braunschweiger. <laughs> My mom was weird. All right, thanks. Always go to um, uh, Tissue Bank James. Glad to be here. Thanks, man. Can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos. Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Ron Bennington, and the great Fez Watley, whose early support of the show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at uh, Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks go to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine.
Bye. 